Hello, and welcome back to Deplorable, a podcast where a couple of friends dredge the internet for the deepest lore. I'm Michael Bastine. And I'm Billy Stables. And today we bring to you a topic near and dear to my heart, and I'm going to have to exercise so much restraint during this episode so that I don't just make this a three-hour-long episode. Don't worry, I'm also the editor, so, you know, I'll make sure it gets cut down properly. But today's topic is dragons. Billy, would you like to give our guests and listeners a rundown of the topic? So dragons are large serpentine creatures that appear in folklore around the world. They vary from four-legged with wings to four legs without a wing to no legs, no wings. And sometimes horse. And sometimes horse. Uh, They are most commonly depicted with the ability to breathe fire, but some cultures dropped that, and some cultures allow them to talk. Allow. I, I say allow because most most of them probably can talk, just when humans meet a dragon, their first instinct is to fight it. Most of them can talk. I'm going to keep making fun of you about saying things that dragons can and can't do like they're real creatures. This is going to be I an wish they inter- were real creatures. I actually don't for a variety of reasons, but that's neither here nor there. This is going to be an interesting episode's be- episode because you know a lot about dragons, and I know only the surface level. I know too much about dragons. I have seen the abyss from which the great worm has crawled, and I did not blink. So. Did you want me to keep going, or... <laughs> I figured that was enough of that character. You are absolutely correct, Billy, in the sense that traditionally dragons are accepted to be serpentine, scaled, uh, large, fearsome predator, predatory creatures. The Western style of dragons, dragons that are most commonly seen and heard about in the United States, are your classic four-legged, two-winged, tailed, fire-breathing monsters of varying levels of intelligence some of them you have you have some dragons that are you know hyper intelligent capable of speech and some of on the far end of smarter than the smartest humans and then you've got the flip side of that in modern media where there are a lot of varieties of dragons that are just basically animals big scaly animals i am sure people know of Eastern style dragons as well, which are the long flying sort of uh, serpent like dragons with lions faces. And those ones are almost universally intelligent and sort of godlike deific beings with control over luck and of storms and are as a whole usually quite benevolent creatures. I guess I guess I did say horse is also an option for dragon's shape and this kind of leads to the fact that dragons almost every culture has a a legend that is what we would think of as a dragon to the point where really at its core the idea of a dragon is so flexible at this point that there isn't really a uniform definition for it. There there are a lot of different varieties of dragons. The horse-like one that I mentioned earlier is 
uh, one that is usually referred to as a, a Kirin, which is frequently much more deer-like, uh, usually scaled. Fans of Monster Hunter are know of the Kirin. It does make a small appearance in that game. And it's it, its powers and abilities, honestly, line up quite well with what is sometimes um, sometimes considered to be the power set of dragons in the sense of control over storms and of lightning. According to Taoist mythology, Kirin specifically only punished the wicked, and there are enough parallels between the Kirin to the unicorn that they there there is there's some go between uh with the European and the Western idea of the unicorn and the the Asian Kirin itself, which is traditionally more uh more common in Chinese Korean mythologies. You know, I said I was gonna police myself, and I hear I have already gone on for <laughs> like ten minutes about one variety of dragons. I can just keep going, Billy. You do need to interrupt me sometimes. I do have I have one bit of knowledge that's it's about dragons, but it's also slightly about Norse mytholo- Norse mythology. Okay. In the form of Fafnir. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. For those aren't who aren't aware, Fafnir was was a mere dwarf until a mere dwarf. Un- well, was born a dwarf. I don't know the exact really time frame but at some point in his life he killed his father and stealed his father's gold he was then tricked into wearing a cursed ring by the trickster god loki which then turned him into a dragon with armored scales that could not be penetrated by most swords you know i actually came across that story in the shape sh- in doing research for the shapeshifter episode yeah um it was it was a running theme that was noted amongst uh, legends and hidden stories about shapeshifters that that shapeshifting being made to change shapes can often be a, a punishment for various crimes in in mythology at any rate. And being turned into a dragon was a notable downfall to greedy people in in the case of Fafnir as well as. A more modern telling of such a myth would be the story of one, I think his name was Eustace, from not The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but that series, The Chronicles of Narnia. There we go. Uh, In The Chronicles of Narnia, the voyage of the Dawn Treader, one of the main characters was turned into a dragon from that very same sort of greed. Less murderous, less homicidal, but, you know, greedy. For a moment, let's talk about the origins of dragons, which... Mm. Which one? In general. As far as my research could tell, I don't know how accurate this is, but as far as my research could has led me, the origins of dragons are kind of hard to narrow down mm-hmm. to an extent. And most archaeologists believe people envisioned dragons from old dinosaur bones they found. And others believe it was just others believe it was just crocodiles. <laughs> Big enough crocodiles, yeah. I, I, I definitely found that in my research. It, it There is, because of how widespread the myth of the dragon is, there is no good consensus on who did it first. Why did we come up with these creatures? Yeah. Did we invent these creatures or were they real? I, I There is no, I don't, 
we haven't found dragon bones but you know we can always hope one another theory just just to kind of give a little bit of um contrast to the more mundane not mundane but a little bit of con- contrast to the more concrete theories as to why people have come up with dragons notably you know bones that we found or some kind of ancient crocodile or or gila monster or something that was a, a creature that looked like it could inspire it another running idea is that it kind of combines dragons as a whole tend to combine aspects of what humanity what humanity might have as some of its more basic instinctive fears like ranging from back when we were hunter-gatherer kind of people, most notably wildcats, serpents, and various large birds, birds of prey. Dragons have a tendency to exhibit most of those traits in almost all cultures where they come from. In Western culture, you see these traits in a dragon's, despite them being reptilian in appearance, their body structure is much more uh, feline and they have the large talons of birds of prey. In Eastern mythology, you have the lion-headed dragons, and again, we're looking at serpentine flying creatures. It bears, it certainly bears some thinking about the fact that, um, at least in Western culture, a lot of dragons can breathe fire, because what would be another very clear sign uh, or a very clear threat to a hunter-gatherer society than fires, either brush fires or forest fires. Any other kind of naturally spawning fires would be a pretty pretty nasty thing to deal with if you don't have a system in place for putting out those fires, which is fortunately something we've managed to conquer. Yeah, and speaking of dragon fire and how they can breathe fire, scholars believe that the reason they can breathe fire is because... Uh, the gate to hell was often depicted by a monster breathing fire. That's an interesting thought. I hadn't I hadn't considered that. Yeah, especially for for a culture that has a a, a fiery af- like a fiery afterlife. Yeah, that definitely that definitely fits with tracks with kind of the idea of how a culture might come come to the ideas of a dragon. Now, I I don't want to. If we're not careful, this episode really will just turn into us talking about dragons for three hours. There are a number of things I think I, we could briefly touch on that would be interesting. That's not necessarily enough. That's not necessarily enough to put it in the running for deepest lore. One though that stood out to me was in so in certain Asian mythologies, dragons are spirits that guard and protect the rivers. And one way to, they're also guardians of, like, like I said, water, storms, these are kinds of the dragon, dragon's thing in Asian mythology. One way that it was thought to get a dragon to make rain, if they're in the case of drought, was to throw a tiger bone or various just dirty objects into the pool where the dragon lives. Because dragons propose, purportedly hate tigers and dirt. What got me about this was that's kind of a kind of a gutsy move. 
to to just throw a bunch of trash into the river of a powerful spirit that governs na- like rain and storms. That seems yeah. That doesn't seem super wise. I get the idea. The dragon's gonna wake up and they're gonna be like, or not wake up, but they're gonna look at all this dirt and they'll be like, I guess I have to clean clean this out now. So they're gonna make a bunch of rain to wash the stuff away. But what? But that seems hazardous to me. Yeah, that hmm. definitely not what I would go to for rain. But in a similar vein, just kind of following along with the river dragons. So in Chinese mythology, there's a story, and and I'm going to just say Chinese mythology. I have some of the more specific areas and names written down, but for the life of me, I don't think I could pronounce them in a way that would make sense to people who would recognize them. So it's going to probably be just for the best if I tell the story and leave the dra- leave the names out of it, or at least the names of the actual locations. A woman who was fishing in a river, I don't know if it was intentional or if it was by accident, but she touched a tree trunk that was floating down the water and then gave birth to, became pregnant with 10 sons. Hmm. And then the tree trunk turned into a dragon who asked to see his sons. And when she showed this dragon, all of the children, they ran, all of them ran away except for the youngest. And the dragon licked the youngest one on the back and named this him uh Zhu Long, which means sitting back, apparently. We've heard some wild stories on Deep Lorable now. But I That's that's gotta be up there for weird stories. That's a little out there. It seems like a you know, a fishing touched a tree trunk floating by in the water, and now she's pregnant with ten sons. I feel there something's not I'm not the best at math. But something here doesn't add up. I was going to say, we kind of missed some steps there. Yeah. Apparently steps we don't want to know about, considering the tree trunk then proceeds to turn into a dragon. Yeah. Ugh. Speaking Speaking of names that we probably shouldn't try to pronounce, but I'm going to do it mm-hmm. anyways, and I'm sorry for oh, people yeah, no, in by all means. Russia and Ukraine. Uh, in Russian and Ukrainian folklore... There is a dragon with three heads, each bearing twin goat-like horns, named, and again, sorry if I butcher this, Zemeg Yornik? Yor... That's a mouthful. G-O-R-Y-N-Y-C-H. I have no idea. Yeah. He is said to have breathed fire and smelled of sulfur. And it was believed that the eclipse were caused by him swallowing the sun. Oh no! Spit it out. <laughs> that needs to stay there. I guess would explain why he kind of smelled of sulfur. Not that the sun is particularly made of sulfur, but... Spell that name again for me. Uh, Z-M-E-Y space G-O-R-Y-N-Y-C-H. Okay. Because suddenly you said three heads with goat horns and stuff, and I'm remembering uh, Ghidorah from the Godzilla. Oh, King, King Ghidorah? Kingi, yeah. However you want to pronounce it. However you say Here that. Here in the U.S., we call it Ghidorah. Gold dragon. King Ghidorah. Yeah, I could. It I could see though. Curious oh, parallel. That is, yeah, that is a very, very, par- yeah, very parallel. There are so many good, just like kinds of dragons out there. I found one that made me kind of mad. 
because the oh. initial description that I found of it was so good, so choice, and almost perfect for deep lore. And then I could find no other places that actually supported what the first place found, which leads me to think that that, that may have just been some bad info. Uh, but it was the the from Japanese mythology. There is a yokai by the name of uh, Shachihiko or Shachihoko, rather, which is a creature with the head of a dragon, fish like scales, and sometimes fire emerging from its armpits. Huh. Yeah, you don't know how to feel about that last part, do you? The from fire- what I know of, from what I know of Japanese mythology, that can. I could see that being a part of it. Yeah, I could absolutely see that being a part of it. Unfortunately, upon further research on this creature, because you better believe once I saw fire coming out of its armpits, I I need to know how good this info is. Yeah. The basically all I could find on this creature was it is a dragon. In the same vein that, you know, the Leviathan is a dragon or the sea serpent is considered a dragon. Um, but it's it's basically got the head of a lion, the body of a carp, and it as a as a mythical creature. Basically, the purpose it serves is that of firefighters. Like, oh, it, its thing that it does is it goes out and it puts out fires by spitting water out. But man, I wish it. I wish. <laughs> and and maybe maybe our some of our listeners know of this creature and can confirm or deny the existence of firearm pits, but. Uh, I am so disappointed that that is not, that doesn't seem to be standard for these creatures. Speaking of creatures that had a description that both confused and amazed, Mm -hmm. I have the tale of, and again, sorry if I butcher this, Mm -hmm. I'm going to try my best. We can only say that so much. A peep is a giant serpent who was once the enemy of the sun god Ra. Oh man. He's an evil deity that embodies chaos and destruction. And most tales describe him of being impressive size. Some mm. sources claimed he stretched nearly 19 yards, or 48 feet, in length. Well, that's pretty long, but we also just had a dragon that swallowed the sun. <laughs> yeah. When I initially heard 16 yards or 48 feet, my mind immediately went to the world serpents of Norse mythology, which just surrounded the Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, impressive size, this is not. If I saw a 49-foot-long living creature in real life, I probably would not want to remain there for much longer. But in comparison to all these other creatures that we're looking at... Yeah, if I was standing outside and something flew o- flew over my head that was 48 feet long, I'd probably go hide in a cellar. Uh-huh, yeah. That's a bad time. That's not good. That's 2020 coming to a wrap. That's what that is. Whenever I read, whenever I read the name of this of this figure from Egyptian mythology, the first thought in the back of my head is a pep. There, when I was going to read it, I had I, my brain really strongly wanted to say Appa, which is not right. <laughs> uh, Apep is what I, I would imagine how this is pronounced, but I know yeah. so little about Egyptian the language as a whole. A pep sounds close. It sounds a pep sounds like it'd be the right pronunciation, considering you have Ra Set. Yeah, 
They seem Osiris. to like their softer vowels. Anubis. Although I do I like can... a peep, just because sounds fun. Little a little forty eight, a, a little, little with air a quotes. Forty eight foot. A little forty eight foot peep that just flies around in the sky and chirps. Peep isn't like those birds made out of. I don't know what are, what are peeps made out of. Marshmallow. Oh yeah, peeps are marshmallow. That's one of my favorites. Which is terrible. Just a, they're a, very bad a forty, for you. a forty-eight foot peep. <laughs> peeps are peeps are a peeps are a piece of work too, because they are just they're marshmallow, which is whipped and aerated sugar. Yeah, coated in sugar. <laughs> they're sugar coated in sugar. Mm-hmm. They're sugar coated in sugar. Uh, for point of comparison, Billy, blue whales. The apparently the average length for a male which is the smaller of the two yeah. uh blue whales is 79 feet in length which is not quite but almost double a peps that's a, purported okay. impressive length that adds that adds some new meaning to that cuz i didn't realize whales were that big oh yeah whales are terrifying i'm very glad that you know, blue I... whales are not carnivorous in the sense that they won't try to eat people. Like, they eat krill, which I think are yeah. fish. But, uh... Yeah, they're fish. Oh, boy. No, whales are, um... I'm suddenly happy that we live in Michigan, which is, for the most part, landlocked. Doesn't have they... immediate access to the ocean. With a very quick Google search from one us.whales.org, the longest blue whale on record was a female discovered in the South Atlantic who was 110 feet and 17 inches long. Yikes! <laughs> a football field is 360 feet long. So what, It's a. it was, that whale was like a, th- a third? Still, uh, a third of a football field. It's a heck of a whale. That's a whale of a whale. It's a whale of a whale. The whale, whale, whale. Whale, whale. You know what the enemies of dragons are, Billy? What are the enemies of dragons, Mike? The Ichnumen. I- Ichnumen. When it sees a dragon, the Ichnumen covers itself with mud, closes its nostrils with its tail, and attacks. I love this creature for just the sheer audacity. <laughs> covers its nostrils with its tail and then attacks. Apparently, this creature is also known as the mongoose. Oh. <laughs> and I love that because of how like mongoose mongoose are legitimately like known for their conflicts with snakes. I'm very quickly googling to see how they do fight. My when you say covers its nose with its tail, my first picture was a picture of a cat doing uh-huh. that, where it just kind of turns into a ball or a circle, uh-huh. which complicates things how it how it attacks. But now that you've said mongoose, everything's kind of lining up because it, if I recall correctly, mongooses, they just, they jump on the prey and then curl into the ball. That way they can keep a good hold. Yeah, so it seems. Um, their primary defense against like snake bites and stuff is just the fact that they have like really thick 
fur. Yeah. And uh, to quote Taco from the Adventure Zone, specialized acetylcholine receptors to defend against poison. Yeah, mongooses are they Mungai? are they are furry Mungai. lads. Manga. Mongooses. Mongoose. That doesn't Mungis. seem right, but at the same time, it's the English language. What is right? I just love that there is there is a, a variety of, not a variety of mongoose, but there is a creature that was later recognized to basically be a mongoose that was yeah. considered from, like, medieval literature. It is what t- was talking about these, like, European medieval literature is what's talking about these creatures that uh, are the enemy of the dragons and... The scientists were like, oh, that's a mongoose that you found. Good job. I say scientists, uh, researchers. Should the uh, picture for this episode just be a picture of a mongoose? Uh, we should. We, we can do that. We can put a picture of a mongoose just in the. <laughs> if those. If those listening want to see these pictures that we talk about on the podcast and some of the episodes, like, for instance, the Florida Man one. They were all. They will all be on the Twitter. Yes, we managed to secure at Deeplorable for our Twitter. Yes, handle. at deep at Deeplorable, which is uh, impressive to me at least. I didn't expect we would get that, and yet here we are. Secretly, I actually didn't think about it until I already made the account, and I'm like, oh wow, it's actually really lucky that we got at Deeplorable. Yeah, nice. Now, if only we can get verified on Twitter. I hear that's a thing. <laughs> think that's a thing i don't know i don't do twitter well neither of us have a twitter well neither of us have a twitter i have a twitter but i don't use it we all made a twitter at some point i have all right what else what else philly do you have because i got one other i got one other really good thing and i also can just keep talking for so unfortunately i don't have any facts about dragons i do however have a life tip for our listeners Make sure you maintain a sleep, uh, well, a well sleep schedule, yeah, sleep schedule, because waking up at four p.m. and getting seeing a message saying, "Hey, we have a podcast today," uh huh, was not the things on my list that I wanted to wake up to. <laughs> That's curious because this is actually going to be one of our short. It's it's good. We've had a couple episodes that reined in at over or nearly an hour. Yeah. So this last one is going to take a little bit of deep lore for the deep lore. Oh. What do you know of the Baba Yaga? If I recall correctly, the Baba Yaga, isn't she a witch that has a house that has chicken legs? Yes. Okay. That's all I really know because of Smite. So the Baba Yaga is, a, like you said, it's a witch. Uh, she is a witch. She's kind of the Russian slash Slavic boogeyman, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Where she is the sort of the quintessential eldritch being that you don't want to be a uh, a bad person around because that's going to end poorly for you. Like she's the she's the creature that parents threaten their kids with at night to get them to behave and go to bed. Go to bed or the Baba Yaga is going to get you. Her house is a living house that gets up and runs away at odd moments. There's a lot of mythology behind the Baba Yaga. She is not who directly I am talking about. She has offspring. In some stories. Oh. Namely, one creature who is known as uh, Kashi the Deathless. Kashi the Deathless is super cool and also evil. <laughs> very, very evil. 
I I did hear him described in some myths as an, an anti-hero of sorts who appears to have a draconic form sometimes. Kashi the Deathless is kind of interesting, kind of neat by the way that, you know, he became deathless and is immortal due to the fact that he just kind of stashed his soul somewhere else. He pulled a Voldemort. Yeah, he pulled a Voldemort, except instead of like Voldemort who hid his his soul soul into random objects, split his soul into pieces, hid them in random objects that he scattered about the world. Kashi, it's all in one piece. It's in one place. But getting to it's a bit of a trick because usually it has, and there is a variety of ways that he has hidden his soul over the course of different mythology, not mythologies, but different stories. But they're usually something along the lines of something to the effect of he stored his soul in a needle, which he stored in an egg, which is in a duck that always flies away from people when they get too close. Sometimes there's a rabbit involved and there's something inside the rabbit that's got it. You ever Hmm. heard of a Russian nesting doll? I'm not sure that that is related to this myth, the myth of Koshi, but Koshi the Deathless is like from that area and specifically is, uh, I believe specifically is a Russian mythological figure. And there are some parallels there. I'm also not talking about Koshi. That's just the surrounding context for the actual dragon by the name of, I think, Chudo Yudo. Okay. Who is a multi-headed dragon. And what brought him to my attention, who he is, he is one of the guardians, apparently, of the water of life and death, which seems to track. Because in some legends, he is the brother of Koshi the Deathless. Which means that this dragon is the descendant of Baba Yaga. I don't know how this creature came into being. When you're talking about mythology, there are a lot of uh, variables. Looking at you, Zeus. <laughs> or, I I mean, there are so many. How, how do you even pick? There's There are creatures. Odin the Allfather. Odin the Allfather. People being, from, being born from sea foam. People being born from... That one shapeshifter from the shapeshifter episode who was, he was a fish and got caught by fishermen and got killed and got eaten whole by the fisherman's wife. And then the wife became pregnant with this guy, the guy who was the fish. There's a lot of, who knows? So I don't know how Chudo Yudo came into being. I don't, I'm, I somehow though, he was descended from Baba Yaga and is considered brother to Koshi the Deathless, which... I don't know what's more impressive, being the brother of Koshi the Deathless or having or your brother being a dragon. That's one heck of a uh, tough act to follow. Man, I could I, I could legitimately go on for a good long while just talking about dragons. But just information does not deplorable make. Yeah. What we're really looking at here is we're looking at things that are a little more obscure a little less well known we're looking for the bottom of the iceberg if you want to use the iceberg analogy i liked our rabbit hole analogy but i i i i'm on board with the iceberg too so do we want to do we want to pick i mean we could keep talking lore? but i think we might be at at kind of we are deep lore selection stage 
We have a few good options to choose from right now. According to my uh, recording, we are at the 50-minute mark, give or take. We we are. You can expect that to get cut down. I think the the candidate that I would pick for Deplorable, though, would definitely be the the tree trunk. The tree trunk was out there. I did not expect tree trunk dragon. More specifically, a woman just who's fishing just touching a tree trunk. Yeah. And not just becoming pregnant, but becoming pregnant with ten sons. I just like the whole the whole rabbit hole dive uh about Baba Yaga and Koshe the Deathless and Koshe the Deathless's Deathless's brother, Chudo Yudo. I, I do think that was also a good I gotta stop saying Chudo Yudo because every time I say it, I'm just reminded of the fact that this is a Russian name, and I'm definitely saying it so wrong. Looking at you, uh, Pep. Yeah, I definitely say that the the rabbit hole of Baba Yaga is definitely a second. Mm. Would be my second choice for Deplorable. I'm with you about I'm with you about or the woman who touched the tree trunk and gave birth to ten sons, mostly because the so the actual like okay so that story comes from. Let's see if I can let's see if I can find the exact place where that comes from again. The Book of the Later Han, uh, which is also known as the History of the Later Han, which covers several dynasties of Chinese mythology. Like not not just mythology, but it covers several dynasties. Let's see. No, actually, just the Han Dynasty. But it, the rule of multiple actual Chinese emperors. So there, like, there are stories mixed into here but this is a like this history this i understand this to be a historical document um contains roughly 120 volumes i have no idea where precisely in this work that story is told mostly because it it's the it is the story of the ailaoi people and there is I, i like i'm looking at like each volume of this is written in this, like the the like the annals of emperor so and so or the biographies of so and so and so you know finding the story that story basically what would I what I would be what we would be looking for to find would be something that would relate back to these people and where like where that story could come from and I I just there's so much here that this is so dense that it's um it it's also you know entirely in Chinese, which I do not yeah. read. <laughs> I'm doing my best over here. We are native English speakers, so anything that's not English is. Thank you all for listening. As we kind of wrap up here, feel free again as 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 always. Shoot us uh any topic suggestions or or. Feedback. Feedback over, thank you. Feedback to our email at deplorablecontact at gmail.com. Subject line, topic suggestions or feedback. Alternatively, we do now have a Twitter, as we mentioned previously. Um, you can find us at deplorable on Twitter. Uh, we're using our podcast's logo as the icon artwork, the avatar artwork for the profile artwork for. Uh, our Twitter page, so it should be fairly easy to find. You can follow us there. Our Twitter page is where you'll see most of the updates for things going on, so if for whatever reason an episode is going to be delayed, you'll find it there. Uh, We'll send out notifications when an episode goes live. 
And like Billy said earlier, if we have any pictures or photo photo references or depending on what comes up, maybe some other references and things that will also show up on that. That will also show up on the Twitter page. After all that build up, I could I'm so torn at leaving this episode a little on the shorter side. But at the same time, as I said, me rambling about the topic is not what this show is necessarily supposed to be. Yeah. The episode that's supposed to release before Christmas. And by before Christmas, I think I might mean slightly after Christmas. Yes. Okay, so it's going to release the day after Christmas. That episode is going to be on Santa Claus. Yes. So mark your calendars. January 2nd? No. No? Try again. Sorry. December 26th. There you go. Day after Christmas. I know what day, I know what day Christmas is. It's December 32nd, 31st. That's Christmas. Uh, But yeah, no, uh, December. Yes, December 26th. Thank you. Thank you again all for listening. I'm Michael Bastien. And I'm Billy Staples. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.